You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Oh, Back again here on the Hang Time Podcast. Saku Smith here in Atlanta at headquarters with my new co-host, Mr. Players Only himself, oh. Greg Anthony. Saku, what's going on, man? Fresh off of a, you know another week of my favorite new show <laughs> on the air. I'm, I'm, I'm serious. I love Players Only, so glad to have you here on the Hang Time Podcast. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun, man. It's obviously a, a new concept and started last year and then this year they brought it over to NBA TV and it's a little different doing the game from the studio but we we got a great crew and we just try to have fun man and try to make it as interactive with the fans as possible and uh so we appreciate all the tweets and the comments you know and it. people staying engaged with us and uh, so far so good yeah it shines through man I'm I love watching it um obviously I've known you and Smitty and 3D for a long time, but just listening to the conversation and the way it rolls um, on players only is really a change of pace. I don't think anybody else could pull that off but us, mm. you know, here at, in, in the Turner Sports family because we have such a wealth of, you know, guys who played yeah. and have performed at that highest level. So it makes it sweet. But we got you here on the Hang Time Podcast every week this season and uh, looking forward to it. Uh, yet again, I keep watching this guy and I keep looking at his game and wanting it to accelerate faster than yeah. than it is. But I do feel good about Lonzo Ball. Mm. I feel good about where he is, his demeanor, and just how he's approaching his season, his rookie season. Well, I got to tell you, man, there have been very few rookies ever who can completely transcend a culture of an organization. Doing the game last night, it was the first full game where I actually watched, you know, intentively. And they're, one, having a lot of fun. They're, two, very unselfish. It's almost as if they're all trying to make each other better. And it's, you know, you can just get the feel from their fan base how much they just enjoy it, how much those kids are enjoying it and and how they, you know, you hear that term playing the right way. But that's really what they do, you know, and probably their most impressive performance of the season last night, you know, Detroit coming in, playing great basketball, leading the the Eastern Conference. And I kept emphasizing that because I figured we wouldn't be able to say it next week. Uh, with the Pistons, and right. uh, I, I don't know if we're going to be saying it this week. Yeah, uh, it, it how is bizarre. Yeah. Listen, the start of the, this NBA season has been bizarre world. Um, I tweeted out the other night, and I'm not a serial tweeter. I don't just tweet at all hours of the night. But that one, I'm sitting up watching games the other night, and I thought, if somebody had told you the standings would look like they yeah. they do right now with you know these 
the Grizzlies and you know Detroit and these other teams, yeah. Orlando all playing the way they are, you'd have laughed at them. Yeah. Well, you think about it. It's the most parity. The league hasn't had a start like this where everybody had lost at least two games through the first seven since 1968. That's unbelievable. I mean, it's hard to fathom that that's yeah. the case. And and it is truly – listen, you still have great teams, obviously, but the, the, the bottom, if you will, has improved. And it's also improved to a point where – like last night, I was excited to watch yeah. the Lakers. I was excited to watch. I'm excited to watch the 76ers, yeah. you know, because they've got this young infusion of talent that is transcendent. And that's where the parody comes from, because right. these young players like you watch Joel Embiid. He believes every time he takes the floor, he's one, the best player on the floor and two, they're going to win. Yes. And that permeates throughout that entire roster. And that's what makes it fun. They're just, you don't have any gimmies, you know, you don't have any, you don't have guys who have conceded anything. No, no. Which in the, in the last couple of seasons, I felt like there were some teams, veteran teams that know, like they knew like, all right, here we go. You know, Cleveland is loaded. Warriors loaded. We got to climb this mountain to, to do this. And now I feel like it's more wide open than it's probably been in recent years on both sides. Do you, who's the team that surprised you the most so far? Just with their early (sighs) season performance. I would have to say the magic. Yeah. I don't think it's it's even close. Now, some people look at it and talk about, you know, what Memphis has done. I just thought Memphis would be a good team. I thought they'd be a playoff team. I mean, you know, they have a culture of winning. They have an expectation every time they take yeah. the floor. The Magic, on the other hand, that's a team that I didn't see yeah. playing this well. Now, it might be fool's goal. They may come back down to earth, but – with how well they played, how good Aaron Gordon has been early in the season, and think about it—they're not basically getting anything from Jonathan Isaac yet. He, yeah, he's yeah, he's a bit player right now. Yeah, he's he's raw, and I think he's got a tremendous upside and a very high ceiling. But it's a luxury for that group—the fact that Aaron Gordon seems to have taken that step, and you don't know when that step's going to be with a lot of young guys. Sometimes. You get fooled because you see the impact Embiid had away right away. You've seen what Ben Simmons was able to do from day one once he got on the floor. And so you have an expectation sometimes as a fan to see all these guys go that route. Some of them have to go like Otto Porter did. Yeah. Where you're thinking, man, whether or not they're going to even make it. And then all of a sudden they can establish themselves. And I think Aaron Gordon is on that path. He's been terrific. They've been incredibly good early on and, and again that confidence you just talked about you know I'll be I'll be interested to see how long they they can sustain it can they be a team that we're talking about in February and March in terms of, of, of trying to get into the playoffs I call it the adrenaline rush like that early season adrenaline rush in, in the telltale is who sustains it and my marker for that my my yard marker in the season is always Christmas mm. I always look at a team however they start I look at them right after Christmas, mm-hmm. and I'm like, that's when you settle into your shoes, so to speak. Like, we know you know what you are, what you might be capable of as a team, and I think the viewing public mm. has, the, has a similar idea of what you might be like. I hope for the sake of one of these young teams or a couple of them that they sustain it. I just yeah. like to see somebody have one of these off-the-radar off seasons, which are very hard to come by yeah. in this league. It's very rare – that we get surprised by somebody. Yeah, it is. And, and part of that, though, is something you talked about earlier. You know, and it's true. Like, a lot of times, you know, every team and every player says all the right things about 
But to your point, a lot of times they don't truly believe it. I, I remember, you know, on, on my Nick teams, we knew in the playoffs certain teams, they knew they couldn't beat us. They knew we knew they weren't going to beat us. <laughs> Uh, and there's a there's just a point in every game where th- that reality sets in, yeah. and that's kind of the same dynamic you're waiting for with the regular season. Now the the difference is a lot of times Smitty and I were talking about it during the broadcast last night. You know, like there's a level of belief, like when we were in, coming out of high school, right? You when we were ready to go to college, like we didn't think about as a freshman, well, I'm going to go in and start. I'm going right. to be the man. You didn't have that mindset, and it was really a, a confidence element not that you didn't believe in yourself but you know you you just felt like you had to wait your turn sure now young players believe from day one that they're ready like there's they truly believe it and and 80 percent of the success in our league is about confidence it's not talent like even the worst team in the league compared to the best team the talent gap ain't as big as people think yeah the confidence, confidence gap, gap is huge yeah and and that's what's starting to shrink the the belief that these teams can go out and compete the yeah. pacers Exactly. Another team. How good they've been. been. And Miles Turner has been out for a while. Yeah. You know, and they're, they're Depot, winning games. Playing well, Sabonis. I mean, yeah. It, and again, it's early. I, I made a joke to somebody yesterday. I said, tell me who was rocking at the start of last season, who was struggling. Like, unless it's Golden State reeling off 20 some straight wins, mm-hmm. we don't ever judge any, but we don't ever judge the great teams by how they start necessarily. Yeah. We don't go, oh, man, if they don't start. You know, twelve and two. Yeah. Then it's, the season is doomed, and that part of that is the eighty-two game schedule. I think part of that is understanding what you look like in October and November mm-hmm. doesn't nece- you know necessarily dictate what you look like in April and May. It, it doesn't, but because these teams are not just having success, but having success against good teams. You know, with young players, I always tell people, you know, well, how good can such? I said, well, honestly, with certain teams. You don't know how good they can be because you don't know what their ceiling is. When you have great young talent, we don't know what the ceiling is. No one knew Michael Jordan's ceiling when he got drafted. Like, you didn't know that he would get to that point. No one knew Kobe Bryant would become Kobe. I remember he had doubters. You know, like, there were people you know, who even doubted Kobe. So, so you just don't know, and we've seen it. No one saw Giannis becoming what he's become, and that's why he went 15 or 16 or whatever it was in the draft, you know. Christoph Porzingis, you know, Another he's already had there. three games of over 30. It, it looks comfortable and, and confident and playing that way. You know, so the, these guys, these young players, man, you, you give them a little bit of success, it can be dangerous yeah. because they can run with it. And that's what we've seen with Giannis with how well he's played. Uh, and even though they struggled as a team last night, he was still able against a really good Oklahoma City team who played well defensively, he could still be a dominant force on the floor. So uh, I'm excited for the, the place that our league's in and, and the performance we're getting from these teams that aren't necessarily going to be looked at as contenders, but they are building a foundation and an excitement for their fan bases to give them hope. And I think when you are on one of those teams or, or root for one of those teams that you really want hope, you know, you don't want to be like a, a team where you look at them and it's just like, what's the future? What's the, hope? Oh yeah. What's like, like what do we have to hang our hat on? Right. You know, in Orlando with Aaron Gordon. Now all of a sudden, at least they can different. say, man, this, he could be one of those guys, yeah. you know, and, and that's important for the growth and the health of the game. No, no, no doubt about it. We will talk to uh, our main man, John Schumann, like we always do here on the hang time podcast a little later on with the Schumann stat. Um, but we got other stuff going on today as well. As much as we, 
you know, talk about hoops on the court and what goes on around these teams. We're going to spend a little time today going off the beaten path a little bit, talking with somebody who sees the the entire NBA operation from a business side. Mm. Hawk CEO Steve Coonan, you know, will will take us inside the the front office a little bit uh, on the business side to see what it takes to succeed in, in the NBA's emerging global marketplace, a situation that every team's CEO has had to really embrace and deal with as the game has expanded globally over the past few decades. This is this is a dynamic where you used to worry about your local market and keeping everybody happy, you know, within a 15-mile radius of your arena. Now you have to deal with the prospect of fans around the globe who are engaging with your team online, doing all these different things. So it'll be interesting to hear his perspective on just how things have changed. Yeah, that's a great point, how that entire dynamic has changed. You, you think about having one of your young stars be an international player and the following, his you know home country, what that brings to the fold, the impact of the game globally now. Uh, th- that's why it's been so, to me, exciting to see this growth you know the fact that so many young people are into the game and in fairness you got to give a lot of credit to our young stars our commissioner as well those those two elements having the pulse of society understanding where you know we're going as as a as a country that really helps you know it kind of keeps you relevant you have a sense of what's going on. We've seen how the opposite of that can happen in some other sports yes. where they don't really have a sense of of what the heartbeat is of the country, of the fan base. Our, our sport seems to really have a good grasp of that, uh, has a very strong social conscience. Yeah. And I, I think that the league, Steve, a lot of these uh, you know owners, the players, the commissioner, they should be applauded for that, to, to not be afraid to have a social conscience but also have that responsibility to the game in terms of how they conduct themselves. We don't, you know, you look at our stars, you know, we don't really have knuckleheads. No, not. You know, our, our stars are transcendent. Yeah. They, they're smart. You know, they get they, it they, globally. They, they, they get have, it, yeah. man. And, yeah. and that, that part is, is so important to the growth of your game because you're touching those young people who, when you grab a young person and you bring them into the fold, you got them for life. You know, you, you have to do something foolish to lose a fan. Yeah. Once you've gotten somebody young, you know, you think about yourself growing up, you know, Absolutely. when you fell in love with some, you're there, man, it. It, you're with it until yep. uh, the end of time, unless something egregious happens to basically completely to turn you away. You from that away team, it, it's hard for that to manifest itself. So that, that part also, man, is pretty cool to see. And it's awesome for us to be a part of that experience at this point uh, for when for so long, the league didn't have the kind of, uh, influence and yeah. power and, and grabs and grasp uh, uh, of the country. No, there's no question about it. And I think it started, you know, before this era. But certainly, the players, the you know, the owners, the the league in this era specifically have really embraced it. Saw it coming mm-hmm. before maybe other leagues did. You know, I remember exactly. David Stern. We used to question him about it. All Star every year. Are you really certain that the game is global? Are you really. Yeah contemplating all these different endeavors around the world, blah, blah, blah. And he was always like, absolutely, it's coming. He was on the ground level of it, you know, seeing where this thing was headed when a lot of other people were skeptical. And I think it's paying off handsomely now for the NBA and everybody else involved. As I mentioned, GA, Steve Coonan, CEO of the Atlanta Hawks, join us, longtime entertainment and marketing veteran, used to be the president of uh, 
Turner Entertainment Networks. I didn't find that out after sitting next to this guy for years at Hawks games. I had no idea who he and his family were. And then I, I came from my orientation at Turner, and they showed the the management chart. He was like the second face up there. I thought, oh, Lord. Steve that? was probably happy you didn't know. <laughs> I was very happy you didn't know. That's, that's one of the unique things about running a basketball team. We were running a really big business, and nobody knew who we are. Yeah. Boy, everybody's got a point of view for me now. You better believe it. So, Steve, look, we, we could talk, you know, nuts and bolts hoops and – high pick and rolls and all that sort of stuff anytime. But the view you have of the the league, where it's gone globally in the past few decades and where it's headed, how you position yourself as a franchise is something that interests us right now a little bit more than just guts basketball. After your time now as the CEO of the Hawks, what's been the one thing that struck you that maybe you didn't even see coming or, or know was a part of this dynamic when you when you stepped into that realm? You know, it said in a word, it's passion. I um, I saw a letter that Mark Cuban wrote to Steve Ballmer when he bought the Clippers a little over three years ago, and he talked about if Microsoft has the best year or quarter ever, no city throws a parade for you. No grieving parent calls you to have their child buried in a Microsoft jersey. <laughs> but all of those things can and will happen when you own a professional sports team. And it truthfully, it's a little, you know, it's it's a little disconcerting at first when you're walking through the grocery store and people know who you are and they're talking to you. And you realize very quickly that sports are this great uniter. And so Coca-Cola and Turner and IBM, all these wonderful companies are great investments or great employers, but they don't have the passion like a sports team does. And when you see what what happened in Chicago, four, five million people lining the street or Cleveland when LeBron brought the championship that's been missing for 50 years, um, it's, it's overwhelming. So the goal is to win a championship and really to unleash that passion for your product and your brand. You know, Steve, you talk about that passion and, and, uh... One of the things that I find interesting in Atlanta, one of the most cosmopolitan cities we have in the country, but it tends to have more of a, a skew towards collegiate sports. Even though you've got all basically all the major sports here, how do you grow that passion, you know, and expand that fan base uh, to, to make it one of the larger ones we have throughout the league? So we've done a lot of work in that area, and you know, the results aren't great. What happened is Atlanta's played 169 years, cumulative Braves, Falcons, Hawks, of sports in this city, and we've won one championship. Boston's won nine since 2003. Dallas has won eight. On and on and on and on. So what we don't have in this town is a championship culture, except – in SEC football. (laughs) (laughs) And look what's happened. Georgia was named number one last night in the college playoffs, and and the world down here is going nuts. And so because everybody believes every year Georgia can compete for that crown. And so what sports in Atlanta has become are entertainment options. And going to a Hawks game is a great night out. And I don't make any excuses that going to sports are a great night out, but You've got a waiting list of 40,000 in Golden State, and seven years ago, you didn't have that. And 
So the team has to deliver a championship level expectation and then deliver on it. Or you're part of the entertainment scene in that town. And we're a huge piece of the entertainment scene. Um, And so are the Falcons and so are the Braves. And quite candidly, the Atlanta United have done one of the greatest jobs in sports because it's ritual like SEC football. And nobody moved to Atlanta with a favorite MLS team. So it's kind of (laughs) homegrown. And in a town of so many things, there's people love new. So our challenge is to build fans and build them through great entertainment. So our new building, which will open a year from now, will have a killer Mike Barber shop where you can get your hair cut and watch the game, a Top Golf, you know, swing suites where you literally can play Top Golf and watch the game, Zach Brown Barbecue Restaurant where you can eat and listen to and enjoy Zach Brown while you watch the game. And entertainment and sports have collided. I mean, both of you know how close the, the line is between entertainment and sports. Sure. And so today we're, interbra- we're, we're embracing the Hawks as an entertainment option Why we build that championship culture for tomorrow. That's a great point. Steve, you're an Atlanta native, and, and I've only lived here, you know, 14, 15, going on 15 years now. I've, I've noticed how difficult it is to engage people in this city who are from here or have lived here for a long time in the change that seems inevitable in professional sports. I, I was when I got here, the Hawks won 13 games, and I had to figure out how to how I would survive as the beat writer a 13 win season. I, then I watched you guys win 60 games a couple years ago, and I'm thinking, man, it could, to go from 13 to 60 in that span, you would think that there's a new crop of Hawks fans who are going to grow up with a completely different view of this team. How has the view changed for you watching people try and figure out? what their fandom is in a city that has as much going on as Atlanta does? Well, what we've done is we changed our fan base. So our fan base today is the most diverse fan base in sports. 46% of our ticket buyers are African-American. The number two team in the NBA is Washington at 9%. Mm. Um, our average audience is 34 years old. You know, I, I don't want to talk geography on this because I'm sure there's people listening all over America, but nobody's going to drive two hours from the suburbs, and Atlanta does have difficult traffic. I hope I the people from Amazon aren't listening. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm <laughs> but, you know, we call it the Alpharetta Unicorn. Nobody's right. coming from the suburbs downtown for anything on a Tuesday night. And so what we've done is we've embraced who this city is. And this city is diverse, and it's young, and it's fun, and it's loud. And we've got a nice fan base. We used to draw, when you were there, Seiko, counting me and you, (laughs) about 30 other people. You know, we're still drawing 13,000, 14,000 a night. And and we're not the team that we were during the 61 season. So I think it's about embracing who your audience is and, and trying to find audiences that quite candidly aren't bombarded by sports teams. And in Atlanta, the Braves have delineated their market and it's suburban. Yeah. And we've delineated our market and it's downtown and it's young and it's diverse and it's fun. You know, it, it's a great point about that, that diversity because that is unique to the NBA in, in a lot of respects what's been the feedback you get? I know you, you do a, a lot in terms of interacting with the locals uh, to get feedback, to, to help you with your, your, your game plan, if you will. 
for it continuing to increase that. What, what's your feedback been from the fan base? I, I, it's very strong. You know, we're, we're starting to see people move downtown. And one of the things that we want to do is we want to um, help grow downtown. And we have a lot of future plans that I can't get into great detail, but we'd like to bring something like L.A. Live um, to downtown Atlanta. If you think about it, you know, Greg, you were probably in the league then. You didn't go to downtown L.A. Staples Center was like this island. <laughs> That's and now point. people are loving and living in downtown L.A. And um, I am very hopeful that we can build L.A. live down here and make it a you know, live, work, play. Um, and the feedback so far has been very, very, very positive. And we're just going to continue to try to get better every day. It sounds like a coaching axiom, but it's really true. We want to get better every day, and we want to create a great experience for the fans. You know, we've done a lot of the franchise in the two years that we've had new ownership. We've opened arguably the best practice facility in the league, maybe in sports. Um, we're, we bought a G League team, which starts this weekend, and those are for the basketball operations to improve the organization. And now we're redoing our building, and we want to redo downtown for the fan and build that into something really, really, really special. So the feedback's strong and positive, and the results have been very, very good. Steve Coonan, Hawk CEO, joining us here on the Hangtime Podcast. And Steve, you you brought up some, some great points about how you improve a product. I know from the basketball side you can go about it a number of different ways. From the business side and, and just how competitive this entire industry is, how do you go about studying what works, what doesn't, and then implementing that in your own specific market, and how long of a process is that? I mean, that, that would, to me, seem like something that has to go on for years and years and continue to evolve for you to stay at the pace you have to to, to be at the forefront of that. I mean, your assessment's 100% correct. So we decide we're going to redo our building. We go to Sacramento, and we love what they did with some of their suites, so we stole that. We went to Minnesota to see the Vikings' new building and loved how they did a section of their building, and we stole that. And when I say stole it, I'm talking we stole it. <laughs> that idea adapted it a little bit. We, you know, this is a little crazy. I don't have you guys been out to Vegas in the last couple of years? Yeah. Yes. Summer league, yeah. We were out there okay. every summer. The swimming pool, the pool used to produce no money. Now it's like 10, 20% of the profits for the, um, for the hotel casino. Why? Because on Saturday they have these, and Sundays they have these monster pool parties that cost thousands of dollars. And we took a lot of the learnings from there. We're going to have cabanas. We're going to have sofas. We're going to have all different kind of seating configurations because we're not doing this for today. We're building it for tomorrow and hope we guess right to be able to attract fans and create a social environment. You know, we live in an experience economy, and sometimes we forget the iPhone's 10 years old. And now all of us have a computer, a video, camera as good as the one, you know, not as good as the ones in your studio, but better than most. (laughs) We have the ability to take pictures, communicate voice. You know, I'm a podcast fiend, and by the way, you guys do a really good job. Thank you, sir. um, Because it gives me control. So how do we give people control? How do we give people choice? We used to have two kinds of premium, club seats and suites. Now we'll have eight. 
Wow. You can buy a table for two as your season ticket. You can buy a sofa. You can buy a suite. But it's all about choice, and it's all about literally disruption. You know, we did work together at Turner, and TV – Everybody's predicting, you know, who's the next players for all the rights for the NBA, for the NFL? Is it Amazon? Is it Facebook? Because television, as we know, it's being disrupted, and that's the core of entertainment for people. So we have to steal from every industry we can to try to stay ahead of the curve and then pray that we guess correctly. Not easy. Yeah, it is not. And, you know, speaking of that, talk a little bit about what you've learned from – the phenomenon that's the Atlanta United with, with the MLS expansion and, and how quickly and feverishly that took hold here in Atlanta. Are, are there some things that you didn't see prior to this evolution that now you are trying to integrate into your game plan moving forward with the Hawks? Oh, I am jealous as hell. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I didn't see it. I didn't get it. Their president and I had lunch often the two years leading up to him, I'm like, oh, he's such a good guy. I hope somebody shows up. <laughs> and, you know, my son lives in New York um, now, and he flies in to go to Atlanta United games. Wow. wow. That's unbelievable. Okay? And he didn't play soccer. We never had it on in the house. But what happened was a lot of young people on Saturday morning before the traditional sports started, kind of hung over from the night before, started watching <laughs> European soccer. Mm-hmm. And the EPL became really, really popular. And the other thing that I think the Atlanta United did, which was genius, is they built ritual into their games. They stand, they sing, they cheer. It reminds me of SEC football, mm-hmm. which, again, we talked about is, you know, number one in the South. And then nobody moved to Atlanta with a strong preference for their MLS soccer team in their town. You know, when the Celtics play here, a portion of our arena is green. Right, right. Everybody, and then they have tailgating. They have the best of rituals, the best pricing, the best of of, – kind of unity and what we want our society and our city to be. And they wrapped it around a two-hour event that doesn't run longer. Yes. And they've done a brilliant job. So, heck yeah, we're going to steal everything we can from that. <laughs> if you start seeing our players dribbling with their feet, you might think we've gone a little too far. But if you live in Atlanta, it's, it's unbelievable. They, they are the second best attended sport. Other than the NFL, they beat, yeah. they have more fans per game than the Dodgers, Yankees, wow. and obviously than an arena. And you got to hand it to them. Yeah, well, it's nothing nothing that can replace that initial blush either. And Steve, you've been a guy who knows this town inside and out, obviously. And it's strange. A lot of times, you you get team personnel, CEOs, GMs, front office people. They're always talking about I, 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 me, this, that, and that. You know, like. Your your focus seems to have never been on you and more on the legacy that the Atlanta Hawks have a chance to, you know, build and leave for years to come. Was that something, the civic nature of the job that you took on when you joined the Hawks, just what you would be leaving for next generation of Atlantans 
in, in for years to come? It's the only reason I took the job is, you know, I, I've been so fortunate and so blessed. I, I worked for Coca-Cola for 14 years and ran marketing and created advertising for the world's best-known brand that was very successful. Came over to Turner right when cable television was exploding and helped define what cable television could be both creatively by creating hit shows like The Closer, which won Emmys and made Kira Sedgwick a big star. And literally, cable television has now become the place people look at. And actually, that's already been eclipsed by yeah. the Netflix and Hulus and Amazons of the world. So I thought the third piece of my work life would be to do something to give back to the city. I've been on the board of seven different big organizations in town and very, very involved in the um, Georgia Aquarium, which Bernie Marcus, the founder of Home Depot, gave $300 million gift to the city and built this incredible aquarium that literally brought that downtown Atlanta back to yes. life yeah. because of there was nothing here. And now, as I'm looking out my window, I can see the building you guys are in, the studios <laughs> from my window. So much has happened in Midtown and Westside and Downtown. And when the opportunity came up, I was looking to potentially invest in the Hawks and be a local owner. And lo and behold, it became real apparent real fast that I could have much more influence and potentially do things that help our city. Um, by being involved. And so one of the first things we did was we decided we're going to build bridges through the community with basketball. Mm. So our building bridges through basketball, we're building 25 courts in underserved neighborhoods um, throughout the city of Atlanta. And a lot of them connected to with the mayor's city of hope plan, but we also do them in other counties. And these courts are beautiful, state-of-the-art, which not a lot of people are building in some of our um, underserved communities, and they're gorgeous, and the neighborhoods take great care of them, but now we're bringing services to them. We have a project called Vision to Learn and Play. If you're in the third grade and you can't read the board, you don't have a prayer. I mean, literally, people are going to think something's wrong with you. And it's just because you never had an eye exam or you don't have glasses. So we're bringing these mobile vision vans to these communities, and any kid can get a free eye exam. And if you need glasses, we'll grind them on the spot for free, and we'll pay for all of it. Wow. You know, and so connecting our community and helping this next generation and creating opportunities for economic empowerment, I think is what a sports team should be and should do. You know, we're stewards of a community asset and we want to make a real powerful statement. I think health and nutrition are a big area that sports, because we've learned so much as, you know, Greg, a former athlete, you know how important taking care of your body is. Oh, absolutely. Um, and so if our guys can garner the attention, maybe we can get those messages through and help kids. So I appreciate the kind words, but, yeah, it's all about making Atlanta great. Yeah. Hey, you know, Steve, you, you've had such an, an interesting life and, and obviously working with two companies like Coke and, and Turner, you've taken away some incredible lessons uh, and experiences. I'd be interested to know what are some of the things – that you experienced through those entities that you wouldn't want to take with you to this new gig, you know, some, some, some lessons that you learned of how not to do certain things. Oh, wow. Well, you know, I've, I've made so many mistakes that we have to turn this from a podcast to a mini series, <laughs> about 200 hours. But, but what I learned is, you know, Surround yourself with great people, give, empower people, and give them the opportunity to contribute and make a difference. Um, 
pick a direction. It's not like a direction's buried treasure that it's out there somewhere and you got to find it. You just got to decide. When I got here, I knew marketing to, you know, affluent middle-aged white males wasn't going to work for this team because it hadn't for 47 years. Right. And so let's go, afflu- let's go look at TV ratings. Let's go see who's watching. Let's go see who's buying gear. And as simple as it sounds, let's go talk to people who are interested in us and then surprise and delight them at every turn. We've done some fun, unique, interesting things. We did um, Tinder Swipe Right Night where we had um, – uh, our young fans connect through Tinder in our building, which Tinder geo targets where a potential matches. And this March, we'll be having our first swipe white wedding of a couple who met at our building. And guess what? They're going to get married on the floor. I need to swipe right about 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Would have made my life a whole lot. <laughs> my kids thought I was really creepy for coming up with that idea. They were absolutely pissed that their father knew what Tinder was. <laughs> Hawk CEO Steve Kudowitz. Steve, one last thing before we let you get out of here. We appreciate your time so much. In in an era when it seems like everybody wants to get in to the business of basketball on the on the basketball side, analytics and you know, player development and all these different things. What's been the the interest that you've seen from young people wanting to get in on the business side? And what would you tell them is one of the key skills they need to have if they're going to do that? I don't think anybody should, you know, we have a lot of young kids straight out of school who are, you know, selling tickets and smiling and dialing and selling groups and selling tickets. And I think that's really good experience for sales. But I would say to young people, go do something else first, because sports is a passion. And go to a job that allows you to make enough money to go consume sports before you go to sports and and say that's your life and livelihood, because it is so different. I wouldn't be... Hopefully, I think I'm fairly effective at what I do, but without the experience of being in other pieces of the world, you know, I was not super passionate about soft drinks or, you know, cable television. I became passionate by being part of that, but it taught me skills, and and sports team can teach you a lot of skills, but young people need to experience a lot of things, and rather than, I'm a fan, therefore I want it to be my work, and while that's good for some, I think experiencing a lot of different things is really important as you build, you know, your skills. You know, Seiko, you wrote a newspaper column. Now you're on on air. Greg, you you were, you know, an all-star first-round draft pick, and now you're on air. I mean, your skills allowed you later on in your life to do what you're doing today. Sure. So I think that it's all about building skills and then going and attaching skills to passion. And if you can wake up every day and contribute and enjoy what you're doing, that's a life well lived. No doubt about it. Amen. Hawk CEO Steve Coonan joining us here on the Hangtime Podcast. And listen, if if this podcast thing doesn't work out for me and GA, we will be glad to come over to Phillips Arena and sell some of those crickets at the concession stand. I've heard about the... the crickets are pretty tasty till you tell... I got stood <laughs> on twice last week where I gave people crickets and they go, good, and then you got... I said, I want you to try something. What is it? Oh, it's this new kind of seed thing we're doing. Just try it. Oh, how's that taste? Good. You just ate a cricket. Yeah. <laughs> Steve, we... All we, over me twice. We already have that kind of a dynamic in our home. It's called chitlins. <laughs> you know, we've, we've been there. Been there and done that, partner. 
but I don't think anybody's <laughs> surprised from what I understand. The cooking of them is um, yeah, not but we don't let them. We don't. Yeah, we don't have them cook them. No, we just let them eat them, and then after they eat them, we tell them then what they are. And then, yeah, yeah, I, yeah I, I'm not going to tell them with a mouthful this weekend. <laughs> I'm just going to have them enjoy them, then smile, and then tell them they just ate some bugs we caught later, <laughs> earlier in the day in the building. No, no doubt they're about good. it. Come on down and have some cricket tacos, guys. I'd love to have you. You know it. You know it. We appreciate it. Steve Coonan, Hawk CEO, joining us here on the Hang Time Podcast. We look forward to the rebranding uh, and the continued evolution of that Hawks brand here in Atlanta and around mm-hmm. the globe. And, and glad to have you, you know, helping guide that thing. Because, again, it takes somebody with a, with a life's perspective to understand exactly how it needs to be done. Thank you, Steve Coonan. Well, you're very kind. Thank you for having me on. Thank you, sir. Take care. That's one of, you know, and GA, I, the, the story I mentioned, seriously, when I was covering the Hawks, I used to sit down in my seat. There were f- seats right next to this back when they used to let us sit at the scores table and we could hear all of y'all's conversations up close and personal. You, this is pre-Twitter even. Mm. Used to make our job so much fun here, some <laughs> of the stuff that went on in huddles. Um, but the Coonan family would be sitting next to me. They'd be sitting to my left at the scores table at Phillips You Arena. had some good seats, man. We did. We had great seats. <laughs> but his son that he talked about, David, um, I think he might have been a – he had to be in high school and college oh, yeah. when I first saw him. Now he's a grown man living in New York. Yeah. Um, but they used to be there night after night. And I used to always ask myself, what does it? What kind of commitment does it take from a fan to show up 40 nights, 41 nights, yeah. however many nights you come out with season tickets and support your team? And I thought to myself, I work here. I have to be in the arena. But I don't know if I'd have the energy or the cash yeah. to take my family night after night. So – He's right. You do have to have a passion yeah. for this business, for this game, for, for the civic nature of what he's doing now as the CEO of a team that's in his hometown, one that he has lived his entire adult life watching perform highs, lows, and everything. That, that's a hell of a thing to have to undertake after you've had as much success as it, he's had. It's a tremendous commitment, much like a family, if you really yeah. think about it. I mean, I, I got – the experience firsthand being drafted by the Knicks, playing for the Knicks, to see how passionate a fan base can really be. Uh, well documented how poor this organization has been the last 10, 15 years, right. yet they sell out every game. Every game. And those people are still, they might be passionate about uh, displaying their displeasure <laughs> with you. But that passion does does exist. And the one thing I took away from listening to Steve, too, is you can sense he's a great listener. Yeah. You know, yeah. like that's uh, one of the qualities I've found with so many really successful people. Yeah. You know, they're listening to you because they're trying to learn and, and find something that's going to help them get where they want to go as opposed to just hearing you. Yeah. Uh, an impressive human being, and man, I tell you, the Hawks are in good shape with him at the helm. They are, they are definitely in good shape. Appreciate him taking some time out to uh, join us here on the Hang Time Podcast. You know, I don't know how we follow that up in in any other shape, form, or fashion than with <laughs> John Schumann and the Almighty Schumann stat. Fellas, what's going on? Doing good, my good. man. Doing good. What you got for us this week, my man? All right, so here's a, a little uh, trivia for you, it's sort of in the sort of the most improved uh, category. 
I'm looking at players that played at least 40 games last season and have played at least five games this season. Mm-hmm. Who has seen the biggest increase in points plus rebounds plus assists per 36 minutes? Wait a minute. Wait, wait. So you said that played how many games of, last season? At least 40. At least 40 games. All right, so well, we got a yeah, cross Jim Bede off the list already. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's helpful. So we're no just and we're talking like per 36 minutes. So we're not just talking like an increase just because he's playing more. We're sure. talking about this guy's doing more while he's on the while floor. He's on the a court, lot more yeah. while he's on the floor. Oh, man. Hmm. Interesting question. Hmm. Uh, uh, start with this guy last year. Averaged, let's see, about 11 points, about six rebounds, and about two assists per 36 last year. This year he's at 18. 15 mm-hmm. and almost four assists per 36 minutes. Hmm. So big, big increases come in rebounding, uh, but also in scoring. Right. Uh, I'm going to guess I'm stabbing in the dark here, as we always do with mm. John Schumer's trivia. What about Aaron Gordon? It's close. He is second. <laughs> oh, that was a good in, guess. In though. the uh, increase. Mm-hmm. He went from like a total of about 25 points, rebounds, and assists per 36 to about 39. So he's at plus 14. Mm. This guy almost du- as, is uh. almost doubling his production from 18.7 to, excuse me, from yeah 18.7 to about 37 per 36. Ooh. It's got to be Giannis. Nope. He's nope. Close. No. I mean, he's up, he's up there. He's in the 11th. On this list, okay. but he's—I mean, he's yeah—he's definitely a doing a lot more. Uh, Miles Turner. Well, yeah, he hasn't played. He's only played the one game. So oh, far. that's right. Oh, that's but right. But you're on the right path there, GA. <clears throat> this guy's like, for me, he's a totally different player, and it's been really fun to watch. And he's on a different team than he was last year. That's, a, that's another key. I was thinking Oladipo. Oladipo is up there also. <laughs> but again, you're on the right path. <laughs> Oladipo is fifth in this in these uh, in these rankings. So he's on a new team. On a new team, and, and this is the wrong season. To, it's like thirty five dudes on new team. Yeah, yeah. Right. That's uh, not necessarily helping us right now. You want to want a serious hint? Yes. Give yes. us a give us a regional hint or something. I was thinking also, but he's an older guy. I was G A? You played with his dad. I played with his dad. Oh, oh, Sabonis. Sabonis, ah. correct. Yeah, that's right. His numbers ah, are off the right. And if you and if you've watched him, he's an entirely different player. He like is. in his Oklahoma passing, City, he was he didn't yeah, pass he was just the like ball a like floor this. spacing four. Right. You know, he was he was out there with uh, Adams, so he wasn't playing the five. Um, he was just a sort of an afterthought in that offense. Obviously, as a sort of a more playing on the perimeter. Indiana's got him playing at the elbow, running pick and roll as a roll man, dribble handoffs as a roll man. He's been great uh, catching and finishing around the basket. It's been a lot of really a lot of fun to watch as sort of an old school sort of role man in in uh, in that offense. Um, and it's like they found they they realized that hey, you know, uh, Arvidas Sabonis's kid is pretty good at being like <laughs> yeah. a playmaking center. Well, he, he was <laughs> a first round pick, and yeah. and you know, and Shu, you can appreciate that a lot of times we're so quick to designate what a guy's going to be when he's 19 or 20. Yeah. And, like, you know, I used Otto Porter as an example earlier. Aaron Gordon's an example. You know, you look how he's blossomed. I think Sabonis also, because he didn't – now, he also played 
in OKC on an established team with an established star. And, and so he didn't get the same kind of opportunities or touches. Uh, and we don't know that he would have gotten as much had Miles Turner not gotten hurt. That's a good point. Yeah, that's that's, that's the question. That That's, you know, having watched him, having watched the bonus a lot, and, and I would suggest anybody go to NBA.com slash stats, do your search, do a, you know, plug Sabonis in the, in the search field and, and pull up his field goal attempts and, and watch that video. It's a lot of, it's, it's, it's really fun to watch him play this year. It's totally different than anything you saw in Oklahoma city. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's the question is when miles Turner comes back, how do they play the two of them together? Cause like I said, you know, Sabonis has been operating around the elbow um, as a role man. Now Turner, Turner is more of a pick and pop big than, than a pick and roll big. Obviously you know, he's, he's just a, he's a jump shooting big. And so maybe they can complement each other a little bit, but I imagine that Nate McMillan will stagger their minutes as much as possible, and and have Sabonis maybe be the sort of the the uh, the center on the on the second unit. And I don't know what that means for for Al Jefferson, but I think like him as as sort of the the playmaking center on the second unit could be a good uh, a good role for him. Well, I think also you might see them both starting together because they both have good lateral quickness they both have an ability to play in space and they both rebound really well and and so again you don't know until you try it and find out al jefferson who's had a terrific career and obviously still will be helpful to the pacers but with with a team like that i'm thinking about tomorrow more than i am today so i'm i'm gonna try to help expedite the the process of those two growing and also growing together because you know that could be a pretty formidable uh front line moving forward because again they really kind of give you what you want in today's game right they can both shoot it they can both make a play with it they both can play in the pick and roll uh and and again they both rebound and and and, in miles's case block shots so you know i'd like to have that kind of size and athleticism on the floor as much as possible uh, I'd be interested to see how they do try to explore playing those two together, uh, and then how they end up having to guard. Because again, you're not you, you, there aren't a lot of Demarcus Cousins anymore. No. There aren't a lot of guys that you're going to go bang on the block for you know thirty possessions, forty possessions a night. They're definitely a new wave, the new wave type of big, um, and to have two young ones that you could kind of grow together would be, I would assume, ideal in Indiana. Shoot, I'm I'm yeah. a little upset though that it took me that long. <laughs> to get a hint out of you. Normally, I get a hint out of you when you see me struggling and drowning and like we that. we were struggling. Yeah, that he usually, we were, he usually we has mercy on us, GA, and gives us a, a hint sooner. It took him forever to give uh, us a hint well, today. Well, it took us 22 guests. You know, we <laughs> well, got it on I mean, the 22nd I, I thought, you know, I, maybe I've been paying attention to Demonis De Sabonis a little bit more than everybody else. But I agree, GA. I think they definitely should try them together. And I think you can you can run, like, stagger screens with them and, like, one, you know, Sabonis rolling to the basket because he's, he's the more comfortable catching and finishing in the paint and and Turner popping out and and you know forcing the defenses to sort of make decisions on that kind of action and seeing what you can do with it. Obviously, Oladipo is enjoying his role as a as a you know a primary ball handler as well um, with those guys. Um, Times have Indiana, changed you know, in the NBA. Yeah, and and it's amazing. Like they've in in the span of like six or seven games, they've changed a lot of people's opinions of the <laughs> Paul George trade. I know. Doesn't look so bad now, huh? It's like, eh, maybe you never know. You you got to let it play out. Shoe, we appreciate you, my man, as always, coming on with the Schumann stat. 
Uh, we will see you next week, sir. All right, fellas. All right, brother. John Schumann and the Schumann stat. Um, it's that time of year again for yet another one of our staples here on the Hang Time Podcast. Um, one that I've struggled with just as bad as the Schumann stat in recent seasons. Bragging rights. You lost by one game last year. I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, But I don't care if you get blown out or you lose by one. You lost. You won the champ. Yeah, like somebody else took the trophy home. I'm, I'm I mean, still Cleveland, Cleveland only lost by three games <laughs> last year. Moral is every prediction matters. So we've got three this week to start off. We're going to start Thursday, TNT, Warriors at Spurs. Oof. I'm going with the road team, you know, for a number of reasons, but one in particular. The Warriors have some getting back to get back on this season. They got to they got to start putting together some quality performances. This is a grand opportunity for them to go up against a team that you know is going to be ready mm-hmm. um, and to show that they're they're just as ready themselves. So I'm going with the Warriors. Hmm. You're taking the Warriors. I'm taking the Warriors. I know at it's crazy the Spurs. at San Antonio, but I got you know I got to kick this thing off with a bang. Yeah, and there's probably no chance that Kawhi. No Kawhi. Back. It's hard to go against the Warriors. Um, but because the Spurs have been struggling so much, I don't know how, but I just think they're going to find a way to win the game. I don't know how, and I'm not very confident <laughs> in that pick. I like it. But I you know, wouldn't be surprised by anything Greg Popovich does. So I'm going to go with the home team because they have been struggling here the last few few games. Plus, that way I can give you a little lead. Yes, I need a cushion. All right, then we're going to Friday. The Cavs-Wizards. Cavs-Wizards. Oh, a little, little showdown time. Mm. A little showdown time. Um, have the, Are the Cavs still in the team meeting? The players only the team? Uh, uh, they should be done about 15 minutes. Are they done minutes. Okay. About another 15 minutes. Uh, you know what? This is this is one of those classic instances where LeBron, you know, when people are down his team and T. Lewis talking about him needing to get in better shape, and then they go into Washington and put on a show. Mm-hmm. But I'm gonna I'm gonna shock I'm gonna shock everybody and go with the Wizards because I feel like John Wall and Otto Porter and Bradley Beal might have the best chip on their shoulder in the league this year mm. in terms of nobody talking about them in the offseason being a contender in the East. This is yet another opportunity for them to go out and prove to everybody that they are who they think they are. So I'm going with the Wizards. Okay. I mean, I I, I was. I thought I was with you there because <laughs> I, I'd listen. Cleveland has been horrific defensively, brutal. Uh, but to me, there are certain games in the East more than anything else where I think LeBron wants to make sure he keeps his stranglehold. He's okay with losing to Orlando and the Knicks. Yeah, Washington and Boston and Milwaukee. Uh, and Toronto, I think, are teams where you'll see that team, the Cavs, play a little better. So I'm going to go with them. Uh, you know, the fact that they've lost several in a row also, yeah. it's just the law of averages, Yeah, tends me to believe that they are going to snap the snide. All right, so two games, two split decisions. <laughs> That's how Finishing we do. Up. That's how, yeah, we're getting ready to figure this Yo, out this early. This is the way. We could have an 0-3 and a 3-0 and next <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Big lead. Uh, so second game, or third game we're doing is going to be the second half of the doubleheader on ESPN Friday night, Celtics at Thunder. Oh. Ooh. Ooh. Clear your schedule. Oh, I, I tell you what, man. How how many games have we been seeing? Ooh, about already. Because the there's so many one. good teams, yeah. though. You know, yeah. like that one, I'm excited about that one. Uh, this is such a good 
early season matchup too for these two teams in particular. Um, I'm gonna go with the Thunder though. I th- mm. As as solid as the Celtics have been, and they've been really solid. Um, I feel like the Thunder, you know, again, are a team that is searching for statement opportunities early this year, just to kind of establish a rhythm themselves. This is this is more of an in-house big game for them than it is. Mm. They don't they only see the Celtics twice in the regular right. season, you know. So it's not like it's some rivalry. But this is to me a statement game for that Thunder group just to remind everybody, hey, we're working through our issues, the chemistry is coming and here's an opportunity for you to see it. Plus Russ gets a chance to deal with Kyrie, which I'm sure he's always looking forward to going at another top point guard. Yeah, that that one, you know, Boston sits the, the gruesome injury to Gordon Haywood yeah. and the, the bad start. They won five they had won five in a row at, at one point and they're playing terrific basketball, but I'm I'm gonna go with you on that one. I, I think Russ hates twenty nine other point guards <laughs> in the NBA. It's it's personal for him every night he takes the floor. Carmelo going back against one of his old rivals with, with the Celtics, as is the case for Paul George. Uh, that young bench from OKC impressed me. And, and they're going to have to play well in this game because Boston's bench has been really good. Yeah. I mean, Rozier and Smart, and these guys are playing uh, terrific basketball. Jalen Brown's been a beast. Uh, Tatum, you know, he's continuing to get better. So I, I think it could be a terrific game. I'm going to go with – the road team in that one as well just to ensure that I don't get swept (laughs) well let me tell you something having been swept a time or two it does not feel good (laughs) the ego does not take well to getting beat down in bragging rights look GA you 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 really kicked the 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 bar out a little high now we got to we got to keep this momentum and new energy going on the hang time podcast you can subscribe on apple podcast for a new episode every week this season um, and leave a review, a glowing review. Show GA some of that five-star love for the Hangtime Podcast. And uh, we will see you right here next week on the Hangtime Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Hangtime Podcast. And be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts for a new episode every Thursday this season. And as always, say Kuna Matata.